the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. There we go. We are on the air. (laughs) 
you got to hit the right buttons around here, don't you? I mean, they're just uh, only about a quarter of a million of them sitting on this board. Thanks for joining us tonight, folks. I'm glad you're there. We are ready to get started with our Bible Live quiz show this evening. We have read all of our readings this past week from the Bible, Monday through Friday, came from the book of Ezekiel, this remarkable young uh, evangelist, uh, prophet, preacher, who comes to us uh, from Babylon? He is there in uh, on the streets of Babylon, on the on the banks of the uh, Kabar River. Uh, he's talking to the people of Israel who have been taken into exile. Thousands and thousands of uh, men and women, uh, Jewish men and women, who have been taken into exile into Babylon for this seventy-year period into Babylon, and uh, at the same time Ezekiel is over there preaching to the people there, Jeremiah is back in uh, uh, Jerusalem preaching to the remnant that is left there in Jerusalem. Both have a fairly difficult time. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of decadence. There's a lot of perversion. There's a lot of uh, difficulty that they are facing they're in their different communities, but they're thousands of miles away from each other, a thousand miles away. Uh, and of course, a thousand miles in those days <clears throat> was not just a hop, skip and jump like, uh, here in our times that we live in. Uh, there were, they could have been worlds apart for all, for all of that. So, uh, that's where we read Ezekiel chapters 22 through chapter 40. So I have a bunch of, uh, Questions ready for you to put out there on the airways. If you'd like to call in and answer some of these, I'd be glad to hear from you. Um, just some very beautiful readings tonight, uh, this week, I'm sorry. <clears throat> beautiful passages. Ezekiel was a remarkable individual, a remarkable preacher, teacher. He was a, very much an artist. He uh, used theater and drama and, and uh, some very unusual, very unique illustrations in his preaching. And we'll get to some of those tonight as we talk through them. And maybe, too, <clears throat> we can talk about what Ezekiel has to say to us today living, not just, uh, you know, 2,000 or, or 2,500 years ago. But now, what did what lessons do we learn from this great preacher and from the experiences that the people of God were having in that era, in that time? What lessons can we learn from them today that would help us, uh, believers here in this world, here in this nation, the uh, United States of America, during this particular era uh, of our nation's history and of world history? I am astounded. I talk to people every week, uh, almost every day, I'd say, people who are on the front lines of ministry, people who are uh, in their businesses, in their careers, in their jobs or workplaces. They are uh, trying to be salt and light. They are there trying to love people and care for people and caring about our nation and our community, uh, caring in the spiritual sense as well. Praying, praying uh, diligently for our city, for our country, and working hard 
to reach others with the message of reconciliation, the message of redemption and salvation through Jesus the Messiah, and uh, and uh, calling on men and women to turn to God and, and to trust in God and to walk with God and perhaps to bring about change in our community, our nation, our world. Uh, many, for the first time, I guess, in my lifetime, there does seem to be a general sense that things are not right, that something's messed up, we're headed the wrong direction, we're doing the wrong things. I am not quite sure what individuals would do about it. Uh, in some ways, we all feel kind of helpless, don't we? we we're just little old me. I, what can I do? I'm just trying to uh, eke out a living and, and do good, my, me and my family and my loved ones and our our, our community, our, my the people in my circle, and, uh, you know, 300 million people in this country. What, what difference can we make on the big picture? So we just feel like we're along for the ride. Things are just happening, and we're kind of, holding our breath and wondering what is going to happen next as we move from one crisis, one um, shooting, one crime, one dramatic uh, episode, one dramatic event after another one, and we wonder just where is it all leading. I think all of us feel that way these days. we're not in a, we're not the movers and shakers. We're not the kingdom makers of this era. Uh, some people have higher positions than any of us. They have a little wider influence, a little uh, more potential, perhaps economically, financially, or perhaps uh, power in one sense or another. But uh, even they, even the powerful, are, I think, are some kind of sometimes wringing their hands and wondering what in the world. Is going on, and we talk about that a lot here on the Bible Live and the Bible Live Quiz Show. We talk about what's going on in our world <clears throat> and uh, what we can do. What is God doing? Uh, if indeed the God of the Bible is sovereign and in charge and running the show, and everything is working according to His clock and His uh, uh, plan. In the sense of uh, not that every single detail is his particular special will. He desires the best in every situation for us, for all, we're told. But uh, the fact is, though, even when we are rebellious against him, we know that God is still in charge. He's still driving the process toward his um designated his planned ends. So what does that leave where does that leave us? What do we do? What is our part? What should we be doing? I've been asking you that question the last uh week or two as we consider from a biblical perspective our lives, our world. Maybe you'd like to call in this uh night and talk a little bit more about that. What in the world can we do? What is our role? How can we help bring about uh, the the turn, the change, the revival even, that we have been dreaming and thinking about and praying to the Lord about. What can one person do? Let's talk about that tonight. Maybe you have some ideas, some thoughts you can share. I'm sure you've uh, thought it through and giving it your best uh, thought and ideas. Uh, I did this week. I had a chance to go up to Dallas uh, for a brief conference with some uh Men that I uh, helped nurture, bring to Christ, and nurture into faith 
Oh, man, it must be um, four or five decades ago now when they, we were all younger. But they've grown and they've gone into ministry and pastoring. And I got a chance to visit with some folks that I was able to minister to um, in that way many, many years ago. And we had a great time of reunion. A time of sharing, a time of growing, you know, what has God taught us through all these decades of ministry and so on. A uh, really good, refreshing time for me. So I'm ready to visit with you tonight, 340-9585. 340-9585, that's the uh, call-in line for the quiz show, the Bible Live quiz show. If you'd like to sound off and talk a little bit about the aspect of revival, the 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 potential, the probabilities at least, of how can we turn the corner, what could happen, what would revival look like in America if God were get a heart get to get a hold of the soul of this nation and somehow uh, tens of thousands, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of young of men and women, young men and women, uh, older as well, every age, uh, began to turn to God and get serious about uh, knowing God and walking with God. What would we see? What would it look like? And uh, I'd like to hear from you tonight if you have a thought about that. Three four zero ninety five. 85, and uh, maybe you've faced that question personally, and maybe you've made some adjustments in your own life that you would share with us based on your uh, love for the Lord and your desire to uh, to turn to Him. Maybe you've made some changes you can share with us, and maybe we can all learn from your experience as well. Here are some questions for you. We read Psalms 119. We finished that Beautiful, the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible. We finished that psalm, and we went on into Psalms uh, 120 through 122. Those are, of course, much um, shorter psalms, much much shorter collections. But um, I'll be asking you questions from there and in from the book of Ezekiel, chapters 22 through 40. As always, I'm going to ask you again uh, this question. Call in and give testimony to one specific benefit, one positive effect that the Bible has had in your life. I'm just wondering if, uh, I mean, there's some, maybe some Gideon types. Remember the, this wonderful ministry called the Gideons that helped distribute Bibles uh, here and around the world? And maybe you're one of those who just is, just loves the Scriptures, and the Bible has meant an awful lot to you in some way through the years. Maybe a particular passage in a particular moment of your life, the loss of a loved one or some transition period in your life. Maybe there's some passage or some verse that really has, that spoke to your heart and was part of uh, helping you realize a victory in your own life. Would you call in, give testimony to one specific benefit, one positive effect that the Bible has had in your life. That's we'd like to hear from you. And uh, give us a call, 340-9585. Then you have this question from Psalm 121. This psalm begins by saying that our help does not come from them, but our help comes from God who created them. Who are them? <laughs> I don't know about the grammar of that question. Uh, what are them? What are who? Who are they? Who is it talking about? Our help does not come from them. 
Our help comes from God who created them. Uh, to what are we referring? From Psalm 121. Uh, here's another question, another psalm. Um, according to Psalm 121, verse 4, God never gets tired. And there's something else that he never does. A Psalm 121, verse 4. God, this great being, this creator of the universe, this uh, the Godhead, we're talking about the, the God of the Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It says God never tires. But there's something else also it says that he never does. What is it? In Psalm 121, Verse 4. Then we go to the book of Ezekiel. And talking about Israel's civic and spiritual leaders. Talking about Israel's civic and spiritual leaders. God says that when he searched for someone to rebuild the walls of righteousness someone to stand in the gap for the people, he only found how many. God says that when he searched for someone to rebuild the walls of righteousness, someone to stand in the gap, interceding, praying for the people, he only found how many. That's found in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Perhaps... Perhaps one of the uh, sadder verses of the Bible. So, uh, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. How many people did God find uh, when He was searching for someone to rebuild the walls of righteousness or stand in the gap, uh, interceding for the people? How many did He find? Okay, let's go to another question from the book of Ezekiel. Uh, why was Tyre, T-Y-R-E, this was the capital city of Phoenicia, up to the northwest of Israel, off the uh, coast of the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Why was this city, the capital of, uh, the capital city of Phoenicia, so difficult to conquer uh, to attack and to conquer, okay? What made Tyre, the capital city of Phoenicia, so difficult to attack and conquer? You can ask that question. Uh, answer that question for us. 340-9585. Okay, then uh, let me see if there's another question. The king of Egypt, the pharaoh, of Egypt revealed his arrogance, his pride, and brought about his own judgment by saying, It is mine, I made it for myself. What was the Pharaoh talking about? He revealed his pride, his arrogance, and brought about his own judgment by saying, It is mine, I made it for myself. In Ezekiel 29, Verse 3, what was the Pharaoh talking about? 
All right, you can answer that question. Give us a call, 340-9585. I can ask you some more questions, and I will. But let's go ahead and get started with the quiz show tonight with Dolores calling in. Dolores, I'm so grateful you're out there. How's it going? Fine, thank you. I'm glad to hear from you. I'm guessing you heard a question that you think you can give us the answer to, and I would really appreciate it. I think you were asking what would it be like to be, uh, a, you know, if all the, the if all, if everyone that you were, like, working with, all yeah, if we if we were to see we revival, yeah, what would it, what would it be like in our land if revival became a reality? Well, I guess I guess you'd have to take into account that uh, that we all have different personalities and we all do things differently. Yes, you know. Uh, I worked in, in, in nursing, and I had prayed and asked God, please, Lord, please, you know, bring a lot of Christians to work with me. You know, I just want, I want to work with Christians, all my, all my sisters or brothers in the Lord. And sure enough, he brought me a lot of Christians. <laughs> you know what? Through the years, through the years. It, it, it wasn't what I expected. Through the years, Dolores, I found that there are a lot of believers in, in the medical community, right? Yes, yes, a lot. But but some of them are real shy. Uh huh. Some of, some of them don't go out and, and, and minister, you know, uh, to people. Yes. Some of them uh, just pray quietly to themselves. Uh, some of them are, are not outspoken as I am. Yes. Um, they don't profess, you know, Christianity. Uh, like they, you know. Uh, hey, are, are you a Christian? Yeah, they're not so. They're not so. They won't go out and verbally ask people. You know. They're not so open about. They're not so open about their faith. They're not so. No. They no. Don't, and okay. So, and but when you ask them, they'll say, "Oh yes," but they won't. They won't openly, you know, uh, admit it. If revival were to come to our city or to our land in some way, do you think that would change? Maybe that would be one of the things that would change. Yeah. And, but then I had to realize that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. <laughs> right. I get you. Yeah. You know, I worked with, with some, some Christians that, that worked very, very slow. And I was a, I was like a, the energizer buddy. Yeah. Okay, I, I was used to moving and, and picking up and doing everything fast, and I like my area clean, and, and, you know, if I made a mess, I wanted to clean up, and then there's some nurses that just didn't pick up after themselves, you know? Well, yes, indeed. And, and oh, my goodness, that would frustrate me, and, and I would set up my, my area in a certain way, and then when I would come back... It would not be in my in, in, in order, you know. Uh, they would just put it anywhere, you know. Dolores, you, uh, you have done a really you know, <laughs> You've done a real good job of sharing with us a couple of areas that might change if really God were to get a hold of our lives. Maybe we would be more open 
about talking about our faith and sharing with others. And maybe we would give a better witness in the way we work, in the workplace, work harder, be more diligent, be more honest in our dealings with our employers and so on. You've given a couple of really great ideas. Thank you for calling in. We've got to take a break right now. The Bible Live Quiz Show will return in just a moment. You can do just what Dolores did, 340-9585. We'd love to hear from you. Don't go away now. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Flex Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Get your daily devotional, podcasts of your favorite programs, station and community events, and featured articles on a number of issues Christians need to know about, all in one place. KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back thanking you, as always, for joining us each Sunday evening for the quiz show. And let's go quickly. Go ahead and visit with another caller. Uh, Hopefully Antoinette can add to our understanding, just as Dolores did, about what, what could we see? What would be possible... um, 
the results, if revival were to come to town, if, if really God's people begin to get online with the Lord and changes seem to happen, what would we, what, what would we look for? You know, we've all prayed for revival, but what specifically would we look for to know if God is answering our prayer? Hi, Antoinette. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Sophie. God bless you. I'm glad to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you so much. How'd, how'd your Sunday go? Everything all right? And did you have a good oh, one? Yes, absolutely. I'm, I am blessed and grateful. Well, I'm glad about that. How did church go? What did your pastor talk about today? I'm just curious. Uh, he talked about being blessed and grateful, and <laughs> um, our, about how our tithing yeah. is God kisses us with blessings, and so we kiss him back by tithing. Oh, that is wonderful. That, I'm just taking these notes. Uh, the kind of things that we, do you think that might be one of the things that we might see if revival came to God's people and to our nation? I notice a lot of time in Ezekiel and the prophets and so on, when in times of revival, the people, it wasn't like some legalistic people had to pound them on the heads to give. They they wanted to give. They wanted to support the work of God. They wanted to support the the prophets and their 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 priests, you know, and their functions as they ministered to the people. And giving, uh, giving did increase. I wonder if that might be one of the things we would expect to see. Um, first of all, I I say San Antonio is in revival. Mm, that's wonderful to hear. Um. And that simply, you know, the Lord spoke us, he spoke the entire universe into existence, so um, we speak death or we speak life. So I speak, and my church has been speaking that San Antonio is in revival, Texas is in revival, the nation is in revival. Um, and actually, there's a lot of people who do give in spite of the economy, and this has been going on for a long time, um, you know, through charity giving, they just don't understand. The devil's been really good at, um, how do I put this, making tithing seem like it's all about money. Yes. When actually the tithing is to finance the gospel. You know, I didn't understand for years and years and years. I used to think, oh, great, they're talking about they just want money again. But no, somebody, somebody has to pay for things to be printed. They have to pay for airtime on television, on the radio. Um, they have to pay for the lights, the um, sure. sound equipment, the sure. lease on the building, the insurance. All this stuff has to be paid for. And the Lord, you know, he gave us a commandment to go out to the ends of the earth and disciple to all the nations. Well, that costs money. Right. And that's what I believe, you know, a lot of people don't understand that they're not giving their money to the pastor. They're giving their money to God to finance the gospel to get the word out to people who haven't had a chance to hear it yet and right now um, are not on their path to heaven. That's right, Antoinette. I, I, it's, it's, it's such a wonderful thing when we come to that point of releasing and investing in the kingdom of God. We know that we invest in people. We give not only to our pastors and missionaries and evangelists, but people in need. You know, we, we, um, give to them either, either directly or through different uh, charities and ministries that are out there working with the addicted and with those who are, you know, struggling and also right. to our churches. Oh, you're so right. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. Um, 
I, I don't know even I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't think particularly that Americans are chintzy. I think uh, this is the most gracious, the most generous nation in all the world, and they always have been. Maybe we go through periods of time when people draw back, but most people don't give because they get a tax write-off. They give because they're giving as unto the Lord. And uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that we can speak positively. There's some th- some things that are done. Now, of course, our, our leaders, there's certain things that can be done that would allow and free people to give more and more. And as, as a central government and government takes over some of the functions that the church traditionally uh, helped with, with the sick and the, and the mentally ill and hospitals and children's homes and that sort of thing. Uh, as the government has taken over those, then uh, I, I think some people maybe even have less resources to give because they're, they're paying higher and higher taxation and so on. But I don't know. I kind of agree with you. I, d- I don't think God's people in general are uh, turned off by that. And I, I I agree with you that one of the things that we would see, and one of the things that we are seeing, in fact, that God's people are generous and giving and loving. And uh, hopefully, I, I think that would just, uh, maybe that would even increase. Maybe we would get smarter, Antoinette. Maybe we'd get a little <laughs> smarter about how we give and to whom we give. Uh, maybe we'd target it a little better. What, I, I don't know what you might think about that. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, and, you know, there's even non-believers who are sure. generous. Sure, yes. They just haven't been exposed to the Lord, and if they have, maybe they've been offended um, in some way. But Oh, yeah. You know, he, create, he created us in His image, and he, He's love. And so we're created with love in us in spite of what we grow up learning, you know, as uh-huh. far as learning fear and, and anger and hatred, all the things that are opposite of love. So there's a part of us in our core that um, is just our nature to give. We're yeah. taught to be selfish. I, I think you're right. We still have a strong residual influence of the gospel in our culture, in our society. Uh, even from our founding fathers from 200 years ago, from our history, from our traditions, uh, this has been a, a, a land of faith. It's been a land that's been blessed uh, and gone through several great nationwide revivals, the Great American Revivals in the 1800s and so on. No, there is something there that that there is a generosity, a good spirit. Um, it's being tested and tried. But I agree with you. I think that that's one of the areas of our lives that would change, and we even see greater things uh, as people really come uh, individually, as just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people begin to get right with God and, and to and to uh, begin to want to do right and be right. Uh, I think that would be one of the things that would change. Anything else that you think of? What would you expect to see? And maybe uh, would say um, that we are seeing in, in our city and around the nation. What I would expect to see is I would expect to see um, reinstatement of Christmas. You can say Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> I like that. Prayer. Yeah. You know, we can pray in public, pray back in schools, the Ten Commandments up, um, uh, compassion. Um, crime would go down because, you know, the more God we have in us, we answer to Him. Yes. But really it's prayer and 
you know, not outlawing Christianity, reinstating the ability to say I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus and he's my Lord and Savior, and I'm not violating anybody else's rights by doing that and by saying that, you know, that's, that's, this is America. We have freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and that's for all people. You know, Antoinette, just this week, uh, a misguided, probably very mentally and emotionally disturbed young man out on the West Coast uh, killed a lot of people, and we're we're seeing that all too often. But in this case, it was kind of unique in that he would say, are you a Christian? And if someone in the group said yes to that question or said that I am a Christian, uh, he intentionally killed them. And if they didn't say that or kind of mumbled or didn't uh, affirm a faith in Christ, he would simply wound, not simply, but terribly so, but he would wound them. He wouldn't kill them. And that... I don't know. I know we're dealing with a very sick individual, someone who, but he has to be held responsible, I think, for his actions. But and I suppose he is now. He was killed in the in that situation. But I don't know how that came. I wonder if that's any reflection of all of, of kind of what we've done in recent years in terms Christianity. You know, like you say, the rejection of of Christmas, and there are there are people around the, this nation who actively go around looking for any excuse to complain about a cross or complain about a, a dedication uh, ceremony or a dedication statue or, or a, a remembrance that, that even in, in, in the faintest way has to do with faith, particularly the Christian faith. Uh, and and I, I wonder if, I wonder what would happen to that if, could we expect to see that peel away and maybe stop, or or can you always expect that? Even in the times of revival in the scriptures, it doesn't mean that there was a totally unanimous. Everybody got right with God. I, sometimes in the times of revival, the times of Josiah, uh, Hezekiah, and others, uh, these the eight great revivals of the Old Testament, it was not like there was a consensus. Like it wasn't like everybody was after God, I think the remnant or the small God's people just had to decide, hey, we're going to be godly in spite of all of this, in a way. Uh, what do you think? Is it we would, would we expect to see more of a consensus rise up, or do you think we might have to just stand up on our own, even against the, maybe the cultural tide? I believe we definitely have to stand up regardless, because that's what, that's what the Word of God says. And he, he, he states... You know, and throughout the word and in revelations that um, even the the thousand year reign there's going to be. Um, let me see if I remember this correctly. <laughs> um, the thousand year reign, there's still going to be non-believers here. Uh huh. There's just not going to be war. Um, there's going to be peace on the earth. Am I? Am I accurate on this? I, I think you're right, generally speaking. I'm, uh, there, there's several views, of course, of the end times, but yeah, I've all, uh, that is one of the great questions. When Christ uh, comes, he takes his people out, there's a years of tribulation, and then he comes back, is, is the view you're speaking of, and that there is established the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, and God's people are here, Christ is reigning, but yet still uh, there are those still among us who who have not come to faith yet, or so on, and so it's always kind of a mix that you wonder about. Well, how, 
what would that kind of existence be like, you know, if Christ himself is here reigning and ruling and guiding, and yet there are still people in the mix that don't uh, accept or recognize his lordship. I don't know how that would work, but I, I think that is one scenario, yes, that is that is uh, one idea that some folks have of the end times. Yeah, I, I, I might have... Um over myself on that one there. Oh, don't worry. I mean, we we are just talking. But what we, what was your point, though, that... that uh, my, no, my point was that um, until... Uh, well, until this is all said and done, there's going to be um, yeah. resistance to God, so... Yeah, it's not heaven till it's heaven. It's not heaven till everybody's in the fold and everyone uh, loves the Lord and is submitted to His will and wants His will and His desire. That's what makes heaven heaven. As long as we have uh, good and evil coexisting and and uh, people of God with others who do not accept for one reason or another or do not want to yield or submit to the rule of uh, of the Creator, then of course we have. That's an earthly situation, and we have to deal with. Um, the fact that we live in a closed world, a closed system, ruled only by morally neutral natural laws, and good people are going to suffer, and sometimes uh, uh, the wicked, some people, uh, those who don't know God and don't acknowledge God, sometimes they're going to be prospering. And we're going to have the same, the thing we see in the Psalms when the when the psalmist says, Lord, how long? How long do yeah. we have to wait? Why are these wicked people prospering and doing well and why your people are struggling and suffering, you know? So we're going to have that go on, and it's, it's part of God's plan. It's not illogical uh, if we understand what God is doing, but it is a reality that we all... We all live with, and we all like like the psalmist. We all wonder from time to time, Lord, how? Do, why does this work this way? Why? Why do your people suffer? Why do sometimes the good seem to prosper, the evil seem to prosper? You know, but yeah, um, yeah and, and as long as until that time comes, we're going to live in that situation, and um, that's that's what I'm asking tonight is about. What are our thoughts if revival comes in that setting? We're not talking about everybody on the whole city of San Antonio or everybody in South Texas or 100% everybody's getting on board and loving the Lord and walking with the Lord, although that would be wonderful. Heaven on earth, right? But if God's people, if revival came, what would we expect to see? And you've, you've laid out some really good ideas. I like particularly your thought about what that would mean in the area of giving, of generosity. Uh, because uh, it wouldn't be like taxation obligation. It would be people freely, voluntarily giving to help their neighbor, giving to help their community, giving to help ministries, to encourage, to do good works, and, and to uh, uh, to take the message of the gospel to others here and around the world. And I think you're right. That would be one of the things I, um, I suspect it would be uh, it would increase and and to the glory of to to the glory of the Lord. Uh, an extension of his kingdom. I appreciate you calling in. Would you like to leave a, uh, uh, an address here, Antoinette? I'd love to send you a little package of gifts from the uh, radio program here. We've got a few gift certificates and prizes from our sponsors that I'd love to send along to you if you'd like. Sure, and actually, I initially called to answer one of your questions. Oh, which one? Any of the first three, I think. Okay. Here's one. Uh, I said in the first place, call in, and you can call in and give kind of a testimony or, or tell about an experience of one specific benefit, one positive effect that the Bible has had in your life. Maybe you'd like to do that. Or Psalm 121, 
begins by saying that our help does not come from these, but from the God who created them. What are they? The angels. Ah, Good answer, but not right. Psalm yeah. 121, I will lift up my mine eyes to the, and then it says, my help comes from. Well, I know my help comes from the Lord. Uh-huh. But, but he I says, don't. I will lift up mine eyes to the, you remember it? Psalm 121, it's kind of a well-known. Um, well, don't worry about it. We've got another one here. It says, according to Psalm 121, verse 4, God never gets tired and he never he never lies. Never lies. That is also true, but that's <laughs> that's <laughs> not, not that's not what it says in the verse in Psalm one twenty one verse four. He never gets tired. And what do you do when you get tired? Sleep. All right. What else does he God never? never sleeps. He never sleeps. <laughs> I have my Bible right here, but I just... uh, yeah. Well, it's an open book quiz, Antoinette, and you could open it, but you got it just exactly right. The Lord never gets tired, and He never sleeps. I. I tell you, when you contemplate the character and the attributes of our God, uh, it is remarkable to just ponder, to just meditate a bit on the incredible intelligence that God must have to to love every all seven billion people on planet Earth today. He knows every one of us, every detail of our lives. Seven billion people that He actively loves, that He's actively seeking and, and beckoning, calling to us to come to Him all over the planet. And just think of the intellect it, to do that, to know. Uh, how to call each one, the unique strengths, the unique needs that every uh, little Italian boy, every little Honduran, every little Mongolian child, every Alaskan um, Eskimo out on the ice. I mean, how God uniquely calls men and women, boys and girls all over the planet, and he loves each one. Just, I don't know, just sometimes to think about the the just raw intellect that that takes. And, of course, that's just a tiny part of all the, the the mind of God as He has created and so on. So, uh, and yeah, this I, idea I, that He never sleeps, you know, He never tires. Amazing idea, amazing God that we serve. Yeah, go ahead. I would like to say, I mean, I can't give my testimony or just even one spot on the Bible because I would just take up way too much time. <laughs> That's all um, right. But I have to say that. Uh, God is just so awesome, and I praise Him for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I praise Him for, um, I guess, the, the first number one thing in the Bible that changed my life, of course, was um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead, um, yes. you will be saved. You and will so be that's saved, my yeah. first scripture that... Yes means the most to me. Yes, uh, wonderful. Because that started it all. First Corinthians, isn't that First Corinthians 10? Believe in your heart, God is raised from the dead. Uh, I believe that's where that is, but I'll check it out in a moment. But a beautiful passage. Well, Antoinette, if you don't mind, I'd like to turn let John take down some information. And I'd love to uh, send you a little package of gifts and just say thank you for being a part of the program. Would that be all right? Yes, yes. All right. Um, thank you for being here. You bet. Don't God hang up you. now. You too, dear. Don't hang up. Visit with uh, John there. Let him get that information, and uh, love to hear, love to hear from you, Antoinette. I'm looking for that passage. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of looking. I'm looking. At, is it Romans ten or First Corinthians ten? I'm, I'm. I think maybe I've got it wrong in Corinthians. Maybe it's Romans ten. Um, 
Um, yes, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Um, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. <clears throat> what an amazing... Um, what an amazing God that we serve and know, the, the true and living God, the creator of everything that exists, uh, every people group, every individual, every nation. And he is sustaining this world. He is sustaining our existence uh, for his own purposes and plans. You know, and maybe we could take these minutes. If you'd like to give us a call, you're certainly welcome to call 340-9585, just as Dolores called and, and Antoinette. We're talking a little bit about what would we think might happen if God were to get a hold of our nation. <clears throat> a lot of people agree today that we seem to be on the wrong path. We seem to be uh, struggling. We seem to be uh, wandering, confused, uh, misdirected, and about where we should go and what we should, uh, you know, what decisions we should make. And and maybe we're tempted to think that there are, you know, just it's all political decisions. Well, politics are important. We are so unique in that we get to actually choose. Believe it or not, we are a people who go into a voting booth, and we elect our leaders. We choose from uh, numbers, and maybe the process is imperfect. I mean, we do. It's not heaven yet, folks. We live on planet Earth, and where good and evil coexist, where good people coexist with people who are less than good. Uh, and sometimes I'm not just talking about down-and-outers. I'm talking about up-and-outers. They're proud, arrogant uh, wealthy people as well. So uh, we, we have this dilemma. We have to go in and, and choose, and maybe sometimes our choices aren't uh, perfect choices, but we do, in fact, have that that unique opportunity. I, I've often wondered when you read the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament about the people in Jerusalem or Israel or over in Babylon, uh, the different times and different scenarios, the different circumstances that we see in the Bible, None of those involve people getting to choose their own leaders, um, at least in the sense that we're modern sense of a democratic or representative republic. Uh, we don't see that at all. Uh, people lived under uh, leaders, often tyrannical leaders, the most powerful, uh, the strongest, uh, might made right in many cases, uh, you would think. But that's how they lived. And yet God's word, God's people, God's message went out. And God still reaped a great harvest out of the different cultures and societies and people groups of that of all those eras. Well, here we live in a land where we choose. We get to go and uh, put in a vote. And so in some ways, uh, limited, of course, uh, we're kind of we're to blame for whatever we got. It's kind of pretty much what whatever we deserve. If we, uh, if we go to sleep at the wheel, if we don't pay attention, if we grow lazy or apathetic, uh, then um, of course bad things. We could have bad, in, uh, corrupt or uh, incapable leadership, and and uh, some people would say that's what we're we're going through. A lot of that. God often used corrupt, inept leaders to judge his people, to kind of 
give them a little spanking and get their attention and say, hey, you you need to get your get your house together, get your get your affairs there in order, and, and uh, start living for me. So anyway, uh, that's what we're looking at. I'd like to know your thoughts though about our land, our times. How do we take these principles from God's Word, from the book of Ezekiel? Uh, It says, Psalm 121, I will lift mine eyes into the hills, to the mountains, from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. That's the answer to that one question that um, Antoinette was uh, asking and asking about. She she thought it might have been, I forget what it was, uh, my help comes from, I forgot what she said, but... uh, she said something different, but my help comes from the Lord, the creator of the mountains, uh, not the hills and the mountains themselves. Uh, you can still call in and give testimony to a specific event or benefit in your life, one positive effect that the Bible has had in your life experience. If you'd like to give us a call, 340-9585. And then uh, answer this question from Psalm 119. <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, got a little frog in my throat, and it keeps bothering me there. But here's the question, Psalm 119, 167. How does one grow to love God's Word? Yeah, I, I, I wonder about you. Do, do you love the Scriptures? Do you love God's Word? Is it just a real passion and a real joy and the delight you find in the Scriptures? If not, how do we get to that point? And the the question is answered in Psalm 119, 119, 167. How does a person grow to love God's laws, love God's decrees? What do you think? Give us a call, 340-9585. Um, why was Tyre, the capital of Phoenicia, so difficult to attack and conquer? Why was Tyre, this capital city, so difficult to attack and conquer? The king of Egypt revealed his arrogance and pride when he said, It is mine. I made it for myself. What was he talking about? And um, then I'll ask a couple more questions when we get back. There's our music. 340-9585. It's the Bible Live Quiz Show. We'll be right right back. Don't go away. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. There's got to be more. Welcome back, everyone. (laughs) Welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. We've got another half hour to visit with you. Give us a call, 340-9585. Looks a little bit like ladies' night on the quiz show. Dolores has called in. Antoinette has called in. And, uh, gentlemen, you are certainly welcome to call as well. Last week, all the guys called in. Uh, we can mix it up a bit here. Uh, we don't have to all go <laughs> be separated by gender here. Give us a call, 340-9585. Uh, 
I've got a lot of questions out there. One is you can always call in and talk to us a little bit about one specific benefit, one positive effect that the Bible has had in your life. You'd like to maybe talk about that, some uh, event, some special occasion, or maybe a difficult occasion or event in your life, but somehow the Scriptures came through for you. And then I ask you the question from Psalm 119, verse 167. Psalm 119, all the way down to verse 167. There's 176 verses in that psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, But I want to ask you the question, how does one grow to love God's decrees? How do we learn to love the Scriptures? I, I think it's a very interesting answer to that question. Psalm 119 Verse 167. And then you also have this question coming to us from the book of Ezekiel, talking about uh, Israel's civic and spiritual leaders. God says that when he searched for someone that could rebuild the walls of righteousness for the land, or someone who would be willing to stand in the gap to intercede for the people, he found, he only found how many? I'm going to go ahead and answer that question for you. Uh, he said, I found no one. I found no one. I searched to find someone who uh, would rebuild the walls of righteousness, someone who would stand in the gap for the people, but I found no one. So judgment would fall on Israel and on the people of Israel. Very interesting passage and I wonder if God were looking today, would he find intercessors? Uh, my wife uh, heads up and helps to lead several women's prayer meetings and gatherings in our city. And just this past weekend, they had a great time. What's called Women's uh, Citywide Prayer Group got together and some wonderful ladies, uh, Mary Mice Hellams and Suzanne. And I, if I start giving names, I'll, I'll, I'll not get them all, but some names that you would recognize and know as spiritual leaders around the city, Eileen Vincent and others coming together and they faithfully, continually, Joan Bond leading a women's neighborhood prayer across our city. You've heard from each of these women through the years. They're faithful, they're persistent, they don't give up, and they keep on praying. And how much blessing have they brought on our city, on our uh, unemployment rate, on the crime rate, on our homes and families? How much blessing do these intercessors bring to our city. And this this weekend, they had a time of prayer, uh, taking a couple, two or three hours of prayer together to worship the Lord and just to stand in the gap for uh, the people of San Antonio, South Texas, and the people of our nation as well. So uh, that's, I think, part of what Antoinette was saying, or Dolores said, yeah, there are people. There may be revival. There is a, a sector. Maybe there is an, some, a limited experience of revival already taking place. Are you a part of it? Are you experiencing it? What do you think we would see if God got a hold of our city, if God got a hold of men and women? We've already seen, heard from Dolores and talked about how God would help us to be more faithful and more, uh, perhaps a little bit more uh, willing to take initiative, to lift up the name of Jesus, to to uh, to to uh, speak of our faith and speak blessing 
on the people around us. She works in the uh, medical arena, and there are lots of uh, godly uh, believing brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, nursing and uh, all kinds of technicians and, and doctors, physicians. Maybe we would see them taking more initiative in witnessing and sharing and talking about the Lord. Uh, or maybe we'd see more uh, a difference in the way we work. She was saying that some Christians, she would think is a, that their work would be a better quality, that they would be more, um, they would be more uh, diligent, more faithful, more, uh, uh, more hardworking. And uh, and working better, you know, cleaning up the workspace and going the extra mile for their employers. You know, maybe that would be a difference in another way that we would witness just through our life and our lifestyles. So then uh, Antoinette called and said she think maybe we'd see a difference in the way people give. And our willingness to give not just our money, but our, she talked about tithes and offerings to the to our churches and to our Christian ministries and, and so on, but also giving uh, voluntarily and, and and generously to to needs of those who are less uh, fortunate, maybe those who are going through a hard time. Maybe we would be able to do that individually. Uh, and of course, that's we're not talking about government uh, giving; we're talking about people on the local basis. Giving, and I, I, I guess I would throw that in there as a little lesson from Scripture. Uh, God's mandates about generosity and giving were never ever about government. It's always to His people to give, to be able to give to others, to help others, to give to each other, on mutual support for one another in the body of Christ, in the in the church, in our in our faith communities. It's never about, oh, let's raise the taxes more so we can give. The the, the government is not a charity. Uh, it never has been, and it shouldn't be. When it takes it steps into that role, it becomes very destructive, and it has become very destructive for a number of reasons. Uh, <clears throat> but a lot of the point is because it, it invites corruption and great greed and graft, and <clears throat> there's no accountability in the government. Uh, people use then, they begin to use the uh, uh, monies of millions of dollars that are given and taken from people by force, and they use it uh, in a corrupt way to, to buy votes, to buy influence, <clears throat> to only help the people of their particular party or the people they want to help and to build their political constituency. Uh, that is not uh, the idea of charity. The government was never intended to be a charity, uh, a 501c3. Uh, it's the people. It's the churches. It's the, it's the ministries that are out there working in, in, on, the, on the grassroots ground level, touching lives, and there is where you can have accountability. That's where people who are just in the as a scam, they're just scamming the government and getting their, their food cards and, 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 and selling the food cards for what they can get and go get their drugs or whatever else they want to get. Uh, there's so much of that uh, uh, going on, and it's corruption. It really is. But it's just uh, that's going to happen as long as the government is the vehicle of charity because it, it just – that's just a reality, folks. You know, it's it's just being smart. And if we put the charity back in the hands of the people, the Rotary Clubs, the Lions Club, the the churches, the synagogues, the people who are on the ground on the, the grassroots, then they can know when someone's scamming them. They can. There's a little bit more accountability. It's local. We know. We get to see when people keep coming around and they uh, and they're trying to scam or use 
our, our different uh, charitable organizations and, and uh, instincts. So that's that's why the Bible is so clear about uh, charity beginning at home and charity being something that should be kept very local and very uh, very close. Uh, to us so that there, there is that accountability and that knowing from the giving point of view where our money is going and what difference it is actually making in the lives of real people. Uh, I've been a part of a ministry for oh, uh, close to 45 years now, working with Campus Crusade for Christ, now known more as Crew. Crew Military is the ministry I'm specifically involved in here in our city, but we have ministries that work with college students, with high school students, with uh, business and professionals, with uh, uh, folks in, in prison in difficult situations, inner city, inner urban situations. Uh, and um, all of those are, are ministries that, that there are people that can be supported if you'd like to invest in a person and partner with someone in ministry, you can do that in, in uh, with Campus Crusade, with Crew, or with the many other ministries as well, or just through our local churches, our pastors and leadership. Uh, remember that ideas are had by people. It's people who have ideas who make things happen. And so, uh, you know, don't think that just because you're supporting an individual that it's corrupt. Uh, many are very committed to uh, a very... Um, very uh, a, a modest, moderate lifestyle. I was looking the other day at the salaries that are paid, for example, to uh, Planned Parenthood, to uh, some of the organizations that are really big names across the nation, and it gets into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, even uh, over a million dollars for some of them. And uh, and only a very small percentage of your donation goes to the actual cause that you're supporting. I'm talking about six to ten percent, and that's just pathetic. And then I was looking at, for example, uh, to the Ministry of the Salvation Army. Uh, uh, over ninety percent uh, goes to the actual cause, to the people that you're actually supporting. And uh, the, the, the salaries of the people involved, uh, surely the workman is worthy of his hire if he works hard and, and accomplishes things. But here he is sitting on top of a ministry of probably $6 million, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, his salary was in the, the, the 60000 range or something like that, uh, if I remember correctly. Very modest and very realistic uh, salary for someone, not for someone who runs that big an organization, but for someone who is uh, heading up a, a, a religious or faith organization, a charitable organization. I, f- I find that very, very um, encouraging. And uh, so you can, you can find that kind of information these days, find out what ministries, what percentage of your donations go. But Antoinette was the one who brought up the, the idea of our giving. There would make a difference uh, in our lives as, uh, as people of God, particularly if revival were to come, we would return to the basic idea of supporting the men and women who serve us in ministry, the men and women who lead us and guide us, and we wouldn't mind investing in uh, the care of our uh, ministry facilities, the churches and the community centers and the places that are used to uh, give children a place to play some volleyball and have some sports and, and have some activities or some children's activities. So we need to support uh, those areas, and that would be a part of revival. What do you think? If revival were to come to our city, to our land, what differences might we expect to see? But I've also asked you, why was Tyre the capital city of Phoenicia? 
uh, sitting up on there on the on the banks of the Mediterranean. This was a very difficult city to attack and conquer, and the reason for it was it was built half on the mainland and half on an island a, a mile offshore. And so when someone came to attack, the people could retreat to the island, and it was very difficult to mount an attack uh, from <clears throat> from the uh, land to defeat uh, Phoenicia. And, of course, from the sea as well, uh, they had uh, walls and so on, and they were, they were able to defend themselves uh, from attacks from the sea as well. It was a very difficult city to overcome, and yet... Uh, Ezekiel predicted that Tyre would be utterly destroyed and would never be rebuilt. That's very interesting. It it's also was something that was predicted for uh, uh, for Babylon, this great city of Babylon, with its uh, walls 30, 30 feet thick. You could run three chariots side by side around it in certain sections. So he, he, um, Ezekiel predicts that this great city of Tyre would be utterly destroyed and never be rebuilt. Look in chapter 26. What two emperors did God use to fulfill this prophecy? What two great emperors of that era were used by God to fulfill that uh, prophecy of Ezekiel that uh, Tyre, this great city, would be destroyed. What two emperors of that of that time? And I, I've got the the names and the dates that they uh, conquered Tyre and destroyed it here on in the desk in front of me. And I've looked those up and researched them. And it's God uh, Ezekiel's prediction came through perfectly and exactly on target, fulfilled in every detail. Let me ask you this then as a new question. Ezekiel, and this is a characteristic of the book of Ezekiel uh, in chapter 28. Ezekiel describes the king of Tyre in terms that could not apply to a mere man. He begins talking about the emperor, the king of Tyre, but then he begins to use terms that could not apply to a mortal. He may have been talking about the defeat and judgment of the proud and wicked spiritual enemy behind Tyre's sin. Who might Ezekiel have been talking about? In fact, is generally speaking, this is one of two passages in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. I'm sorry. This is one of two passages, one in Isaiah chapter 14, and again here in Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, you, you can look in Genesis, you can look in the book of Job, there's some other passages. But these are key passages that tell us about this proud, wicked, spiritual enemy that uh, is... Um, that resists God and resists and rejects God and resists God's people here on planet Earth. Who might this be talking about? Ezekiel chapter um, uh, 14, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. Both of those passages uh, are kind of primary passages that we look to to find out uh, a little bit more about this spiritual being that resists God. Who are we talking about? The king of Egypt revealed his arrogance and brought about his own judgment by saying, It is mine. I made it for 
myself. Uh, and the question was, what was the Pharaoh talking about? And the answer is, he was talking about the great Nile River, this river that runs there through Egypt and, in, and spreads out through the Delta land and on into the Mediterranean. But this very uh, fertile area of the Nile River as it pours into the Mediterranean, where the king of Egypt said, It is mine. I made it for myself. And God, uh, through the prophet, uh, corrected him for his arrogance and his pride and told them that they would be judged because of that. What um, ruler of that era, in Ezekiel chapter 30, what ruler did, did Ezekiel say that God was going to use to destroy Egypt because of that pride and that arrogance and that sin against God, so many other different ways. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 30 reveals that God is going to use another ruler to destroy Egypt. What ruler does he refer to? Uh, Chapter 30, verse 7 is where you find the answer. Give us a call, 340 9585, if you'd like to call in with the answer to any of these questions and um, win some prizes, get a chance to visit a bit here, and we'll uh, we'll send some prizes that come from our program supporters and sponsors to you and your family. Okay, and then here's another question. Thirteen times, <clears throat> thirteen times in his writings, more than any other prophet, by the way, Ezekiel provides something that makes it easier for us to know the chronology, the exact historic, the, the exact date of the different historic events that he describes in his book. Ezekiel provides something that makes it easier for us to know the chronology, the timing of the different historic historic events that he describes. What is it that Ezekiel mentions? So often, look at chapter 31, verse 1, chapter 32, verse 1, 13 times, more than any other prophet, Ezekiel provides this for us. What are we talking about? 340-9585, that's our line, our call-in line. You've got about, oh, I'd say maybe five or six more minutes before we have to end the program. If you'd like to answer any of these questions, give me a call, 340-9585. Eighty-five. Okay, then we finally come to this cataclysmic event. What event is it that marks uh, the book of, uh, of Ezekiel? Uh, early in his ministry, Ezekiel is forbidden to speak except to give specific messages from God. God tells him he can't speak at all except when he speak, speaks messages that God gave him for the people. What event set him free from this limitation? What event, there was a cataclysmic major event, set him free from this restriction on his speaking? And I will tell you it took place in 586 B.C., 586 B.C., what event? Uh, it's kind of a watershed event in the history of Israel. And, of course, the prophet Ezekiel it made a big difference in his life and through the prophet Jeremiah, who was uh, preaching over in, in Jerusalem. Uh, here's another quick question for you, if you'd like to try to answer this one. What does the name Ezekiel mean? Do any of you know? What does the name Ezekiel? Ezekiel, of course, it ends with that 
El, which means it has something to do with God. So what does his name mean, Ezekiel? All right. There you have uh, lots of questions out there. 340-9585. 340-9585. I'd love to hear from you about these questions uh, tonight. If you'd like to answer them, uh, get on the phone lines right now. We only have a few minutes left, and uh, I'll, I'll, it won't be too long before I'll have to start giving the answers because I like to give the answers to the questions if I can. Our old friend Murph, who's out there listening usually, he normally calls me during the week says, Oh, Sophie, I really learned a lot. I'm, I'm glad you gave the answer to the questions because that helps me. Uh, I, I kind of wait around for people to call in. So help old Murph out. Give us a call tonight. And maybe you can give an answer to some of these questions, learn, uh, win some prizes for yourself, and uh, help our listeners know the answers to them. Let me give one more question because it it brings up a major message, a major sermon that is given in the book of Ezekiel, and it's just masterful. So many sermons and so many um, preachers have used this, and evangelists have used this particular passage, this sermon by Ezekiel, to preach the gospel. And it's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And here's the question. How did God use a valley full of old dry bones to communicate his intention to restore Israel? How did God use a valley of old dry bones to communicate his intention to restore Israel? The answer is in Ezekiel chapter 37. Verse 10, what happened to those bones in this vision that Ezekiel had that communicated that God was going to, that God had the intention of restoring uh, his people to the land, restoring them to, to Israel? How did God use a valley full of bones to communicate his message? Uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 10. I'm so sorry this evening, everyone, to keep getting a little in my, in my throat there. I'll get it cleared here in a moment. I apologize for that. Uh, just give us a call, 340-9585. Only a few minutes left. If you'd like to call, go ahead and get on the line now. Let me begin to go through these and answer these questions. It says, call in and give a testimony about one specific benefit, one positive effect the Bible has had in your life. Well, you'd have to do that yourself, but I would say it changed my life entirely. It's a little... Uh, what they used to call a, a, a illegitimate child born out of wedlock, passed around to 16 families before I was five years old and uh, six years old and sent to a, a home for homeless and delinquent boys. Primarily, God used the Bible, the message of the Scriptures, and the Redeemer, the Savior that we're told about in the Scriptures to transform my life in so, so very many ways. That may not very be very specific, but I want to get that out there, okay? According to Psalm 119, 167, how does one grow to love God's laws, love God's word, love his decrees? By obeying them. Isn't that interesting? It's only when we obey them and put them into action, that's when we will begin to feel a real love 
uh, genuine passion for the Scriptures. Uh, Ezekiel predicted that Tyre would be utterly destroyed and never be rebuilt. The two emperors that God used to fulfill that prophecy were Nebuchadnezzar, after a 15-year siege from 586 to 571, after he destroyed Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar went over and uh, put a siege, laid a siege to Tyre, and uh, defeated the city but didn't destroy it. And then it was Alexander the Great in 332 B.C. who finished the job. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was the one who destroyed uh, Egypt. And Ezekiel gave us the exact dates of those events. That was a special thing that he gave in his word, in his message. And God is strong. God strengthens. That's the meaning of Ezekiel. And it was the fall of Jerusalem that was the dividing point in the message of Ezekiel. When when Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 B.C., and, he, and God gave those old dead bones. He brought them back to life. That is that beautiful message from Ezekiel 37. See you next Sunday night, folks. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.